I'm excited to be here. It is, um, man, anybody, anybody still eating from the leftovers of Thursday? Woo! Anybody got some pernil still stuck in their stomach? Come on, someone. Um, man, I'm excited to be here. This is our fourth week of our series. We're going to be closing out this series. And it's called Who's Your One? Because we believe that God has assigned someone to you. God has, God has assigned someone for you to reach in his kingdom. In our series verse, for those that are just coming in now, I want to encourage you. Would you go back to watch these last three weeks? I mean, how many grateful for the word that Pastor Ruben shared last week? Powerful word. Um, and I want you to go back and watch it. If you've ever felt inadequate to share your faith with someone, I believe these four weeks, you, you download these four weeks, you listen to these four weeks, and I promise you, you will walk out empowered and equipped to share your faith with people. Amen? Amen. And the series verse that we began is, is uh, from Romans chapter 10, and it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on his name? How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Here's the thing. Your faith in Jesus is personal, but it was never meant to be private. Mm -hmm. I said your faith in Jesus is personal, but it was never meant to be private. I'm so grateful that even in this campaign, we've been sharing our faith and I'm happy to announce that the three people that we've had in, in I had three people in my, in my card, in my prayer card. And so far, two out of those three people will be coming next Sunday for our friends and family holiday dinner. Come on. I'm telling you, God is a God of miracles. And even the people that you think that you, he can't reach, he will for your kingdom. Matter of fact, we have someone here that's been following us on Facebook. And she's here. Can, can you just raise your hand? Is she still here? Kia? Hey! Can we give us following on Facebook here for the first time? Thank you so much for being here. We also have a child dedication. Thank you for the families that are here. I want to welcome you. Look at the person next to you. Tell them, welcome to church. Tell them, you look good. You look good. Okay, so today's, today's text is going to come from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. It says, for Christ's love compels us. Anybody compelled by the love of Jesus in this place? It says, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, and those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we don't regard no one from a worldly point of view. That's so powerful. How many of you know that it's so easy to regard people from a worldly point of view, AKA the flesh? Some things happened this week alone that wanted me to regard people in the flesh. Come on, somebody. He says, we don't do that anymore. Though we once regarded Christ in the same way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Look at the person next to you. Tell them the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ 
and gave us this. As, as Christ was reconciling the world to himself, he was also passing along to you a ministry. And it's the ministry of gossip. Oh no, that's not what it says. It's the ministry of outcasting. No, that's not what it says. Oh, it's the ministry of kicking people out. No, that's not what it says. It's the ministry of holding grudges. No, man. He says he gave you something. It's the ministry of reconciliation. That is the heart of the king. That is the heart of our father. That God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he was committed to us, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ ambassadors. Look at the person next to you, tell them, I'm a Christ ambassador. So I might not look like it right now, but I'm a Christ ambassador. I might not have looked at it for, looked like that for Thanksgiving, but I'm really a Christ ambassador. Now, now tell them again, tell them, believe it or not, tell them you're a Christ ambassador. And as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. My message is simply this, Christ's ambassador. Christ's ambassador. Can you bow your head and close your eyes so we pray for the reading of the word. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Thank you for being here today, Lord. Thank you that... Today we get to not only fellowship in your presence, but we get to fellowship with your people. Father, allow me to share this message to really penetrate our hearts, Lord God. So many of us come from different places, different walks of life, different experiences just this week, Lord God. And I know that me sharing a word doesn't change anybody, but your Holy Spirit in the word will change anyone. I just pray that our hearts may be open to receive it. Lord, I also want to pray for these speed cameras that they're installing in Staten Island. Lord, would you break them right now? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Anyone says amen and amen. Can we give God a praise in this house? Um, (laughs) uh, I I want to ask the fellas, any fellas in the room? Fellas, can you make some noise in this place? Can we try this again? I said, fellas, can you make some noise in this place? You hear that? Ladies, we got ladies in the house. Why is the ladies always woo and the men is always ah, 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 ah. Fellas, fellas in the house? Yeah, we got, see, we just communicated. We just had a whole different language right now amongst the men. Um, how many men would agree that there is nothing that would change your life like when you get a haircut? Listen, I don't care if, if you're sick in bed with the flu. I don't care if you just lost your job. I don't care if your wife is upset at you. There is nothing like taking yourself to the barber shop, getting that nice little fade and looking good when you walk out. There's nothing that's going to emotionally stimulate you like you getting a haircut at the barber shop. And all the men in the house say, amen. Thing is that 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 it's so comforting, but it also you you know what I'm like. It creates emotional attachments with the barber. Like you ever had that barber that was a little clingy? Like there is such a thing as 
as barber cheating? I know ladies are like, what in the world are we talking about? No, like there is a, there's such a thing. Like, a matter of fact, if you go to and you cheat on your barber and you go to another barber and you come back and immediately he's going to notice and he's going to be asking you some questions. He's like, hey, man, did I do something wrong? Is everything all right here? Like, why did you know that you, did, why did you like, hey, man, you don't ever have to go. Like, if you don't have money, I'll work it out. Like, you don't, you know, and it gets real, real defensive and like going through, you know, some emotional withdrawals here. And, and it's all this connection between like that don't happen with my waitress. That doesn't happen with the barista. That only happens with barber. And there was one time that I was cheating on my barber because I didn't have a car at the time. And so I had to go down the block. And, you know, it's, it's very, it's like when you, when you go for the first time to a, like you, you know you're doing something wrong from the jump. Like you think your barber's going to pop out of nowhere. Hey, what you doing over here? So I'm sitting in the chair and I'm cheating on my barber. None, none of that happened. But I just said I want to get in there and out as quickly as possible. And so I'm sitting in the chair. Finally, get my hair, uh, I'm getting my hair cut. And as I'm getting my hair cut, an interesting conversation begins to um, arise amongst the barbers. I mean, you know that in a barber shop, like everything is spoken about. You know what I mean? And, and in the barber shop, you're also sworn to secrecy. Like what is spoken about in the barber shop stays in the barber shop. You know what I'm saying? And so we're having this conversation because I was cheating on my barber. And I'm also now gossiping about the barber that I was cheating on. So I'm breaking every rule in the book right now. And so I'm in there and I'm, and, uh, the conversation is, hey, all men cheat. What do you think? Like everybody got quiet. What is about to go down right now? That's what happens. Like I was, I, this was a conversation. I'm there on my phone. I'm like, oh gosh, what's going on? Like what's happening right now? And they're like going around. I'm like, yeah, man, all men cheat. Like, you know what it is. Like as long as men don't get caught, they're going to keep cheating and then keep cheating. And that's the conversation that's happening. And so they're going around every single barber and they're asking, hey man, what do you do? What do you think? Do you think all men cheat? Do you think all men cheat? Hey, do you think all men cheat? And all the men there were like, yeah, yeah, you know, all men do cheat. And then out of nowhere, I wasn't a barber. They just came up to me and they asked me, hey, you. What do you think? Do you think all men cheat? And I said, well, I want to be honest. I don't think all men cheat. I actually think that there are men who are devoted to one woman and one wife and that would dedicate their life to honor, respect, nurture, and protect that woman for the rest of their days and would never look eyes on somebody else to commit adultery against them. I genuinely believe there are men that exist in this world that do not cheat and they are one woman man and they will be dedicated for the rest of their life. I believe this room is full of those men. Come on, somebody. So, so what's funny is that then when I say that, I, that's what, that was my answer. And he goes, are you a Christian? And I love that because, you know, what's interesting is that I never, I never once mentioned to him Jesus. I never once mentioned God. I never once mentioned Christ. But somehow because of what I said and because of what I communicated and the answer that I gave him, somehow he was able to identify that I was a follower of Jesus. And so, that's so amazing to me because I never mentioned Christ, but he said, hey, are you a Christian? 
which means Christ, the, the word Christian now is just kind of like a religious term, but actually the word Christian literally meant a little Christ or a Christ follower. Something about what I said, something about what I communicated, some, something about the way I conducted myself, let this person take notice that I am a follower of Jesus, that I am a representative of Jesus. And, and I love that because when the Apostle Paul says you are a Christ ambassador, he's using this term that is the, in the Greek is known as, as uh, presblua, which, which means that you're a Christ representative. It literally means this, act as a representative. Acting as a representative. And so this, this, this barber was able to identify me as a Christian because of the way I was acting and because of what I said to him even though I never mentioned the name of my Savior. And this happens ordinary, in ordinary life. Like I went to Pennsylvania to watch uh, Sight, Sight and Sounds, uh, David, uh, Favor Ain't Fair, that's okay. Um, that was supposed to be funny, but it's, it is what it is. Um, um, and and we, we we're driving, and by accident, I almost hit two old ladies in a parking lot in Home Depot. And, hey, listen. The speed cameras. I just driving. Most of my sins are in my car, um, and so um, I almost hit two ladies in a parking lot. Two older ladies, and they look at me. And immediately, when they look at me, they say, "Hey, watch yourself!" And me and Lisa are there in the car, and I'm like, you know, Lisa's about to come out, and I'm like, "Baby, there, come on, calm down." No, no, but they look at me. They look at me, and and they look at my license plate, and they go like this. They shrug me off. They go, they're about to get crazy, and they go, he's from New York, leave him alone. <laughs> there was something about the way I drove that they almost couldn't expect any better from a New York driver, that they almost dismissed me because I was from New York. There was something about my driver driving that made them dismiss me, like, oh, he's from New York, you can't expect anything else. That's how they drive. <laughs> so, you, so, so they were able to pick up where I was from, and associate it to my driving. And I love that because what the Apostle Paul is saying is that as, as a Christ ambassador, you're not just a follower of Jesus. You're not just a representative of the king. You're a representative of the king's domain. So you're not just a follower of Jesus. You're not just a representative, a representative of the king. You're a representative of the country. You're a representative, a representative of the kingdom. Okay. Okay, so, so we're not just followers. We're not just representatives, re representatives of the king. We are representatives of a kingdom, which is to say that when Christ places you in a sphere, when he places you in a circle, when he places you in an environment, He's placing you there so that people can have a taste of heaven. So, so when, when God placed me in the barber shop, it wasn't just for me to get a haircut. He wanted those barbers to get a taste of heaven. Woo! So being an ambassador, you're representing the king, but you're also representing the kingdom. And church, can I tell you that you weren't just saved from your sins and you weren't saved from an ordinary life 
simply that so that you can be a trophy in God's trophy case. You were saved so that you can show the world what the kingdom of heaven looks like in their life. See, you thought you got that promotion just so that you can get a raise. But what if I told you is that God wanted to place you in a circle where you can allow someone to get a taste of heaven inside of that circle. See, you thought that you lived in your block and that was your neighbor just because you lived in the block and that was your neighbor. No, God placed you in that neighborhood so that neighborhood can get a taste of heaven here on earth. See, you thought that you would just... The parents to your kids. But what if I told you that you weren't just meant to be parents to your kids and they're supposed to comply with everything you say. You were actually placed as the parent, designated parents of those kids so that those kids can have a taste of heaven. Come on, somebody. See, see, like we're kingdom Christ ambassadors. We are Christ ambassadors. The apostle Paul says in verse 20 of chapter 3, 2 Corinthians, he says, We are therefore Christ ambassadors, and as though we are, God were making his appeal through us. He says, I implore you, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled with God. Be reconciled with God. God has a plan A, and you're it. God has a, God has a, there's no plan B. You're it. And and so I just want to give you the first point of our text today. Write this down. Being a Christ ambassador aligns my heart with God's heart. Being a Christ ambassador aligns my heart with Christ's heart. And so God's plan A is that he's making his appeal through you. And God desperately loves people, and he wants you to do the same. So my heart has to become aligned with the heart of the Father. And so my heart has to be aligned with the king in order to properly represent the kingdom in my sphere of influence. I remember Pastor George from Ignite Church um, said he was asking the Lord, and he was pleading with the Lord. He said, Lord, show me your heart. Anybody have prayed that prayer? Lord, show me your heart. He was praying that prayer. And the Lord showed him a notion of people. And he goes, why are you showing me people? He goes, because that's my heart. (sighs) And we sing that song. I want to know your heart. I want to know your heart. God's going to show you your enemy. It's like you must have got that one wrong. And I want to show it to you through the pages of scripture how God's heart is people. And when we are kingdom and we are Christ's ambassadors, we are aligning our heart with God's heart. As being a kingdom ambassador, being a Christ ambassador is aligning your heart with the heart of the king. And the more aligned your heart is with the king, the better you are at representing him. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, Indeed, the Son of Man has come to seek and save people who are lost. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, this means that contrary to man's perspective, the Lord is not late with his promise to return. As some measure lateness, but rather his delay 
is simply revealing his love and patience towards us. Because he does not want anyone to perish, but all come to repentance. In other words, God is, is being, late on time, being late on purpose because of, the, because of the enormity of his love for humanity. I don't know about you, but if you ain't on time, I'm out. I got to go. I was patient long enough. I got to go. God is saying, I'll give you another five minutes. And I could imagine, you know, there's some angels out there. They're a little jealous of us. And they're like, God, could you, could you just return already? Jesus, could you? No, 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 no. I'm going to give him all five more minutes, five more minutes. No, 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 no. I see Amanda right there. No, no, no. Well, you got to see Amanda's coming. Don't worry. But we got to go. No, but Amanda's coming. Amanda's coming. Oh, no, but Pastor Marquez is coming. No, he's coming. Oh, no, no. Caitlin is coming. Oh, no, no. Marlon is coming. No, 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 no. We can't go yet because we got to wait. We're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. Why? Because my heart is that no one would perish. So as a Christ ambassador, that is where we are aligning our heart. One time they came up to Jesus and asked him, hey, Jesus, why is it that you're hanging out with such ugly, sinful, detestable sinners and people? Why is it that you're hanging out with them? Like, do you know what they're about? He's like, well, let me tell you a story. And he tells a story about a shepherd who lost one sheep and he had 99 in the fold. He goes, yeah, well, let me tell you a story. He goes, there was a shepherd who had 100 sheep, one left. And that shepherd went crazy looking for that sheep and brought him home. Look what, look what the Bible says. If you ever were confused about the heart of God, listen to what the heart of God says in Luke chapter 15. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Can I tell you, the father's heart is that, that he got some kids out here. And, and can I just tell you, um, when God is looking for his kids, that is his priority. And he's saying, listen, I know that there's 99, and I could just, you know, get two to shack up together and have an, and produce another one. But, but that one won't produce that one that's lost. And my heart is for the one that is lost. So you guys heard a couple of weeks ago when Reuben lost my son. And, and, um, and can I tell you that there were some people who aligned with the father's heart, but there were also some people who didn't because they were preoccupied with their business. And I could understand that in that context because there's so, so much self-preservation going on and we got to make sure, and I'm, I'm sure I scared the wits out of people yelling at Bishop. They were like, who are they? Who is he calling? But there were some people that said, I, 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 don't know, I don't know that man, but I know the pain of a father losing his child. And I think the father's heart today is saying, hey, would you help me find my kids? I, I, know, you got, I know you got stuff to do. I know you got your agenda. I know you got your own priorities. I know you came to the mall and had no plan to help a father find his kids. I know you wanted to go to the store and get the deal at Primark. I know that that's what you wanted to do, but you, would you just take a moment and help me find my kids? Because my heart is for the lost. My heart is for the sinner. My heart is for the broken. And I just need some of my found children to go help me find my kids. 
being a Christ ambassador aligns your heart with the heart of the Father. That's why I call this message Christ ambassadors and not Christians today. Because I want us to see ourselves as not just followers of Jesus, but representatives of him. And I don't want us just to see ourselves as representatives of him, but I want to see us as ambassadors of him. And when you're an ambassador, you are representing and speaking on behalf of the king and speaking on behalf of the kingdom. There's some people that the only taste of God's kingdom that they will ever experience is you. Number one is being a Christ ambassador lines my heart with the Father's heart. Number two, let me give it to you really quickly. Being a Christ ambassador rids my heart from self-absorption. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of those times that I genuinely feel like as a, as a pastor of a church that there are some times that we have to kind of sit with our church and, and, and say there's some things in the Bible that I wish I could rip out. Love your wife the way Christ loves the church. Oh, my God. Like, I'm good with loving my wife the way I love my wife. But the moment he puts the way Christ loves the church, that's when Exodus, exorcist. You're so spiritual that you call exorcist Exodus. (laughs) Right? There's some verses, but there are some verses that God wants to bring something to us. And there's some verses that God wants to remove and strip us from something. Because the thing that he's trying to strip you from is destroying you. Second Corinthians chapter 5, he says, For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all. And those who live should no longer live for themselves. Ooh. Listen, there's, there's nothing that's going to jumpstart your faith. There's nothing that's going to accelerate your growth like bringing someone to a relationship with Jesus. <sighs> Being a Christ ambassador takes the focus off you. Being a Christ ambassador reminds you that your life is not your own. Being a Christ ambassador allows you to recognize that I don't live my life for myself. It's aligning my heart with God, but it's also ridding myself from self-absorption. It's really, and, and can I just say, there's so much of the church, I don't know how the church has gone from Christ ambassadors to self-absorbers. Because much of the American modern church has become a self-absorbed church. What do I mean? And, and this is no judgment. This is not judging or casting a stone. This is for us to have some kind of reflection that if God's intention is for us to go and reach the loss and somehow we've made it about ourselves, we may be missing the point. 
And so what he says is that we are Christ ambassadors and so, men, so much of the church has become now what's in it for me. And being a Christ ambassador removes the what's in it for me mentality. Because you're not looking at it, hey, I, who's, who's sitting in my chair? You're saying, who can I bring to fill in a chair? You're not saying, um, um, uh, you're not looking to see how the service serves you. You're looking to see how you can serve others. You're not gossiping about the saints in church. You're evangelizing to the lost outside of church. And so we can so easily make church about me, about what song we want to hear. I, Pastor Rose is going to be telling jokes about Lisa again. Yes, every week until you bring someone to Jesus and they get baptized and they get transformed by the Holy Spirit. God bless you. So, so, so what if, so what if when I was looking for Bishop, I had Selah pulling on my sleeve saying, Dad! Can we just go to H&M? Maybe we can go to H&M, but right now I'm looking for my son. What about me? I'm here. I know, I know you're here, but I found you. I got to go look for Bishop. But, but dad, can we just go home? I'm tired. I know you're tired, baby, but I need to go find my son. And some of us, that's what it looks like. There were two sons in the story of the prodigal son. There was one who was lost and there was one who was in the house and was like, hey, how come you never throw me a calf? And he got filled with the spirit of offense because a lost one came home, but his priority was about coddling who was there and awarding who was there and recognizing who was there while the father was like, I've been waiting on the porch and I ran to my son and you should have been helping me. See, there's something about being a kingdom and a Christ ambassador that just rids you from self-absorption. Where you're not seeing going to church as a place where, hey, what's in it for me? Have this self-fulfilling dream of accomplishing something and God is saying, no, you're missing the mission. The mission is to reach the lost. And some of the most miserable people, this is statistically proven, that some of the most miserable people in the world are the ones who are self-absorbed. And you don't just do church like that. Sometimes we do life like that. Hey, what's in it for me? You get married, what's in it for me? You start a job, what's in it for me? You get in a relationship, what's in it for me? And you're looking at life through this lens and God is saying, no, no. When, when you've embraced my love, you no longer live for you. You live for my purpose in you. And you live for my heart, which is people. When you are a kingdom ambassador, it rids you from self-absorption. I want to read to you what Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says. It says, put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage, 
Don't be obsessed with what you don't have. Don't be obsessed with someone filling some type of void that you need to be filled. Don't be obsessed with with God not making things happen for you. Don't be obsessed with your journey. Be obsessed with helping somebody else. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. And this is a perfect picture of what happened in the pool of Bethesda. What happened in the pool of Bethesda was a man that was 38 years lame. And we can preach on the man, but we can also preach on the crowd. We can preach on the man, but we can also preach on the crowd. Because you know what it, what it reveals of the crowd? What the man says. He says, um, yeah, there's nobody here to help me. He says, I've been here, man. I've been here. I've been lame for 38 years, but there's nobody here to help me. See, they were in the same group, in the same gathering, having their own issues, but they were only in there for themselves. I need to get my healing. I need to get my breakthrough. I need to get my. And he's like, man, there's nobody here. Oh, we're here together, but we're not in this together. And what, what Paul is saying, hey, when you're a follower of Jesus and you're a kingdom representative and you're a Christ ambassador, man, you live in such a way that you take care of God's business and he'll take care of yours. He, he said, you take care of my people, you go and reach my people, because the greatest miracle that could ever happen, greater than the lame walking, greater than the blind seeing, greater than, than, than any kind of miracle, is a life that was broken and destined for destruction, and now is walking in kingdom light. If you believe that in this place, give God a praise. So, being a kingdom... Being a Christ ambassador rids my heart from self-absorption. Man, I promise you there, there comes a time in your life that sitting in a pew would not do not one more thing for you. you, have, you I've spoken to so many people throughout the years, and they've said to me, hey, I feel stuck, and I feel like I'm not growing. And the first thing I ask them, are you living for others? Because there's no way you are living for others and not just filled with love and filled with joy. And so I asked him, hey, are you serving? Are you in community? No, I just, I just come on Sundays. Oh, I get it. And that's great. But there comes a time where not one more message would be edifying to you. Because God is saying, hey, I'm just, it just... It just falls on the foundation of me asking you to apply what you've already heard. So it begins to sound redundant. I heard this already, but are we doing anything about it? I'm sorry, guys. I'm 40 now. I'm just saying it like it is now. I'm just saying. I started this church when I was 31, and I was a little bit more careful, but I'm 40 years old. Sabes que? I'm going to say it like it is. I don't. Amen? Last point. Write this down. Being a Christ ambassador allows someone's heart to be filled with Jesus. Being a Christ ambassador allows someone's heart to be filled with Jesus. And I'm so grateful that we have seen so many hearts here at Christ Uncensored be filled with Jesus. 
And two years ago, we saw someone's heart through an invitation be filled with Jesus. And I think she would best be able to preach this point to you. Help me welcome Amanda Remedios. Can we just have a praise break right now? Because <laughs> only God can take a broken girl with a camera and call her to the pulpit. Like, only God could do that, right? So, I'm not nervous. I'm excited. <laughs> I want to I bring you all back for a minute, okay? So, we hear about the Old Testament, which is the Hebrew Bible. And we hear about the New Testament, which is the gospel. But I want you to consider the people who existed in the intersection between being subject to the law for salvation and Jesus' arrival and crucifixion. Right? I think that we rarely think about the people who lived and died during this time when the gospel was actually unfolding, just like right before their eyes. So could you imagine you're an Israelite? And you have to know over 600 commandments. You're fasting. You're going to temple. You're keeping Sabbath. You're making sure you have a perfect lamb, a spotless lamb for a sacrifice. And all of those things are determining your righteousness. Imagine that. Like, I'm sure I'm sinning right now just, just being here. Just, I'm going against some of those commandments just existing right here on this stage. And then, right, all of a sudden... There are people preaching about a Messiah. And not just any Messiah, but it's the one that you have been expecting the whole time. Your warrior. And a Messiah who says things like, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Get up and walk. Go and sin no more. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody goes to the Father except through me. And he means it. So in a flash their life could change. And I say could. So think about it. Jesus was alive for all of 33 years, right? And that's not a lot of time, and yet he was able to completely change the course of humanity. He became flesh and blood. He died. He was crucified for us so that we could be right with the Lord, so we could be righteous. And I just imagine that culture shock going from those 600 commandments to Jesus is out here like, no, you're good. I got you. Right? Like imagine that love, that, that change. And I can only imagine that culture shock. I, I compare it to this. I'm 33 years old, funny enough. And I think the difference was like witnessing dial-up internet and Wi-Fi. You know? And there was a time that in order for me to get on the internet, my computer made this noise. <laughs> but that's only after AOL sent me a CD in the mail. And I had to like wait for my mom to get off the phone so I could plug my landline into my computer. And now, like being on the internet, that's just silence. There's nothing. There's no AOL. It's just like, we're just on all the time. It's not even America. It's like everywhere. So, and I think about like 
that culture shift in such a short period of time, right? Like one of my best friends, Emily, <laughs> she, she's only 10 years younger than me. She has no idea what I'm talking about right now. Like she does not know the struggles of dial-up. She's like, what is that, right? And when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to um, the internet, like I'm the Old Testament and like Gen Z, like they're the New Testament. And it's weird because such a change has taken place and yet we still exist together in this period of time, right? That the world has changed. So Jesus comes onto the scene and people are still on dial-up, fighting their mom for their phone line, right? People think their salvation is based on their works. Mm -hmm. Now think about Jesus and our place in history. We're blessed to live in a time when the price of our sin has already been paid. The change has taken place. The Messiah did come. And he did give grace to the adulterer. And he did forgive us our sins. He did heal the layman. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. And I know that this is a church that Jesus did work in. Now I believe that all this matters is because there are people who today don't yet know Jesus. So they're kind of still in that in-between. And because of that, they're living absent of direct access to God's unconditional love. And I want to say that again. They're living absent of direct access because how many of us know Wi-Fi is all around us, whether we choose to use it or not. And in the same way, God's love is right there in front of us, whether we choose to open up that gift or not. Amen. So maybe we're not going to a farm and paying out a sacrifice, right? But our modern-day Old Testament is trying to be made right with the Lord by our own effort. And it might be 2022, but some of us haven't embraced the update. The access is there, and it's our job to let others know about Jesus. And I want to reference Romans again because it says, and how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? Right? Like, if I, would, if I knew somebody was out there still plugging in their landline, which, I, where are you finding a landline, you know? <laughs> like, my job would be to, like, hey, can I tell you about something, you know? And that's what we should be doing with Jesus, right? Doesn't that make sense? Like, if you have access to that. So I want to tell you a story because why, it's, why is it so important to share, right? Because I, I think that there's healing that could take place when Jesus is in our lives. And I saw it firsthand. Um, Pastor Ro mentioned it was, it was two years ago that I walked through those doors. And... I thought I, like I knew of God, you know, what's, (laughs) I knew of God, but I didn't know God, like I didn't know, yeah, I didn't have a relationship with, with Jesus, I didn't, so two years ago, at that point, I hadn't spoken to my cousin in over a year and a half, his name is Hassan, Hassan, what up, um, 
but I hadn't spoken to him for over a year and a half because we got into a really public fight on the internet, right? This is during the pandemic. Nobody had anything to do but just fight. So we did. We, uh, we really did. Um, there was like Facebook, and it was about politics, you know? So it was like Facebook posts and Instagram stories and like tears, and like we were just like, we really hated each other. And, but this is someone who like I grew up with, like in the same house. He was like a brother to me, and yet we then avoided each other. Like I was filled with such rage when I looked at him. I was perfectly fine with cutting him off. But then Kuhau. <laughs> But then Jesus, right? Like, it took just two weeks of me to really kind of, like, understand Jesus. Two weeks for me to message my cousin. I had to make sure, like, he unblocked me first. But I messaged my cousin, and I was like, can we love each other again? Yeah. And because I wasn't sure, you know. And, like, he didn't get the update. He was like, you need to apologize. And, uh, but, <laughs> but we're cool now. We're cool. And, honestly, our relationship is better than it has ever been. Like, with, honestly, with no exaggeration, like, I love him. And the things that once triggered me, like, just didn't. You know? Like, when we were hanging out again, he was like, me and my cousin hated each other. Like, she said this. And I was like, yeah that happened, you know, and it just didn't bother me, you know, but now we're sowing seeds of a healed family, and that wouldn't have been possible without Jesus, without an invitation, and I do want to just, like, throw this in there, like, I got a lot of invitations to come here, right, but from different people, but you kind of have to keep on don't be annoying, but like, you know, just, you never know when we're going <laughs> to, you just never know. You never know. I've been here for two years, like every single Sunday I'm here. And I believe that there is a domino effect that will not cease if you have Jesus in your life. And I think, uh, yeah, even in the, even in the text that Pastor Rome was pulling from, right? He's, he was reading from Paul, and that is someone whose life was transformed through Jesus. Imagine that domino effect, right? Paul wasn't just a man who read the law. He didn't just know it. He imprisoned and killed people under the law. And one day down the road, he meets Jesus. And then he dedicates his life to preaching the gospel, and he becomes the most prolific author of the New Testament. His life was a story of transformation. And how much do we know about Christianity today? Paul and that domino effect. So I want to read from Philippians. I don't know, what, I don't know if I'm ready for keys. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, want, I don't know if I want to be spiritual yet. Okay. Um, <laughs> This is my first time, in case you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin's like, I got to go. No. Um, okay, so, but for now, I have considered it necessary to send Epaphroditus to you. For he is my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to me in my time of need. Indeed, he greatly missed all of you and was distressed because you heard that he had been ill. In fact, he became so ill that he nearly died. But God showed mercy to him 
not to him only, but also to me, so that I would not have grief on top of grief. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you can rejoice, and I can be free from anxiety. So welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him, since it was because of the work of Christ that he almost died. He risked his life so that he can make up for your inability to serve me. That's not Paul throwing shade, okay? <laughs> He's like, you can serve me. But, like, there was no Amazon Prime. Like, there was no Zelle. Like, so the Church of Philippi sent someone to help him out, right? And I want you to see this parallel here. We have Epaphroditus, who is near death. And there are people out in this world who are broken and hurt. Epaphroditus was healed. People experienced God's grace. Epaphroditus' recovery was mercy for Paul to save him from sorrow after sorrow. And that healing of ours, that helps heal others. And we all get sent out with a message. And I want to mention that healing isn't just a one-and-done thing. I think the world that we live in is going to perpetually break us because that's how it is. But you don't just accept Jesus, get healed, and then you go about your business, right? It looks more like you're broken. You find Jesus. You experience healing. You heal others. Life happens. You experience hurt. You, but you navigate it better because you know where the light is. And you don't ever just arrive. But through the grace of God, it gets easier. And there are people who only experience brokenness because that's the natural, that's just life. But when we invite people to know Jesus, it allows the break in the cycle that is get hurt and do hurt. And if you're wondering, like, how does something like knowing that you're loved heal? How? How does that happen? I think E.E. E. Cummings says this beautifully. It's going to be up there, but he says, We do not believe in ourselves until someone reveals that deep inside us something is valuable, worth listening to, worthy of our touch, sacred to our, worthy of our trust, sacred to our touch. Once we believe in ourselves, we can risk curiosity, wonder, spontaneous delight, or any experience that reveals the human spirit. And Jesus illuminates our value. Right? Like, he has to. Otherwise, why else did he do that for me? Why did he die for me? That girl who did those things, that girl who hated her family, that girl who chose sin, Jesus says, yes, you. For you, I love you. You are worthy. You are chosen. You are everything to me. And that weight, like, we just want to walk in our purpose. We just want to be healed and then we want to share that love and I could sit with you for hours and try to explain how God's love is a domino effect or I could just dare you I could just dare you to offer that outpouring of God's love right have you received that outpouring of God's love have you have you been called here because you were loved at one point See, the text says this. It says, in fact, he became so ill that he nearly died, but God showed him mercy. 
and not to him only, but also to me, so I would not have grief on top of grief. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you can rejoice, and I can be free from anxiety. In that time, if you were very ill, you were as good as gone. There was no modern medicine that we know today, and this shows the miraculous nature of God. He chose to heal Epaphroditus, and in that saved Paul from sorrow, grief, anxiety. But it doesn't just stop there. He made such a recovery that he was sent out with a message. And it doesn't say Epaphroditus was healed and then he lived happily ever after. It says Paul sent him back. And I believe it was to tell others of his testimony, to have an outpouring of God's love. It was his time. And now I believe it's our time. You're not healed for the sake of being healed You're healed to bring people out of brokenness. And again, I was once a broken girl with a camera. I was a photographer who was invited to church as a guest. And I came in with my camera as an armor because I thought like, they were gonna think like, who is she? Like, why, why is she here? I needed to give myself a reason to be here. And now I'm here with this message. And so maybe it's your sister or your brother or your cousin or your coworker. I think they're like the people living in the in-between of knowing God, but not knowing Jesus the way that we could really know him when he just dwells in our hearts and we just understand that grace and that mercy and that love and we could be called and we could walk into our purpose. We could have that honor of creating that connection. And I love this because healing is never a one-to-one ratio. It's never. And I wanna, I wanna share this story and you could see the, the ripple effect here. So, there's a musical artist, right? And she is just living her life. She knows of God. She thinks he's cool, whatever, you know? But then she starts to have open dialogue with her boyfriend. And then eventually she's like, wait, Jesus, I like this guy. And she dedicates her life to serving the Lord through her music. And then we have someone who's on their journey with Jesus on it but you know life life is happening so they're hitting bumps they're hitting all these things and they're feeling down she listens to her song that she made she listens to it that that was dedicated to Jesus and she is refreshed by this song and she feels God's love from that person who had that dialogue had that invitation is creating something And she is so refreshed by this song and it just gets her through these tough times. She decides to rededicate herself to Jesus. She gets baptized. She gets baptized. She publicly declares that love. But here's where it gets a little crazy. She finds out that that person who made that song, she doesn't just live in the same city as her. She actually lives in the same town as her. And she doesn't just live in the same town as her. She goes to the same church as her. 
And she doesn't just go to the same church as her, she actually got baptized on the same day as her. And had no idea that the person that was refreshing her was refreshed by someone else that got that invitation. And their journeys met together and they get to heal. They get to heal together. This domino effect is so strong because, by the way, it's this church, it's Go Out. <laughs> it's Christina and Sarah and Christina, she wants to, yes, can we just get it? Yes. Christina wants to record that testimony and she wants to put it out to the world and, and show people just how good God is and how people can refresh us and What's that domino effect when that goes online? And, and Sarah, that song, that had a million, view, a million streams on Spotify. And it came from a conversation, just an open dialogue with Jesus. And that's all that we're asking. That's all that we want to do, right? Like, I made the best hash brown dip. And I was like, that's just what I was talking about today. I'm like, you need to try this hash brown dip. And we do that naturally. So why not do that about the thing that is just dwelling in our hearts, Jesus. And I do believe, like I said, this healing isn't just a one-to-one -one ratio. I believe that we get the ability to heal generations. Whole generations that are gonna come after the, us, the, the ones that we live in here, we're gonna feel that healing. And I know that that sounds overwhelming, but it all just starts with your one. Come on it. Come on, can we give it up for Jesus in this place? Can you stand up on your feet? I just want to give you three instructions. I believe that. Um, the way we started this series talking about Nikki Cruz and David Wilkerson. And the way we spoke about A.R. Bernard. David Wilkerson reached Nikki Cruz. Nikki Cruz reached A.R. Bernard. A.R. Bernard is pastor of one of the largest churches in New York. And it all started with an invitation. I believe that. There's so many of those A.R. Bernards here. I believe Amanda's one of them. Um, I believe Sarah is one of them. I believe Emily's one of them. There's so many. I believe Amanda Baez is one of them. Kaylin is one of them. I believe so many of us are here that your story will be shared. This is how we can help share our mission. Pray for people who don't know Jesus. Once a week, that's what we're asking. We're asking us to pray. Number two, invite a person to church. And once a month, uh, once a month, and share a social media post once a week. Can I have the worship team up here? 